Welcome to the Tarot Readers Academy TV and podcast, the place to be to get the tools, tips, techniques, and building blocks to level up your tarot reading practice, heart-centered business, and spiritual journey. I'm Ethany Dawn. I'm a full-time card slinger, business coach, author, and the headmistress of the tarotreadersacademy.com. And to top it all off, I'm also your host for this TV series and podcast. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Tarot Readers Academy TV and podcast. I am very happy to have our guest with us today. Her name is Christiana Gaudet, and she is a stellar tarot professional in our field. She has, she's an author. Um, she also does reading. So again, you are speaking with and getting access to um, a professional who not only uh, is an expert in tarot, but also still slings cards. Um, Christiana has two books, one which will be out probably close to when this podcast is out and published. And we have Fortune Stella, which is a book about professional tarot reading. And I actually have the first I have the first edition of that book and I have the second edition of that book as well. And then we have uh, your new book, uh, Tarot Tour Guide, and we're going to talk a little bit about those books later. But Christiana is here to talk to us today about letting the cards speak for themselves and how to embrace a more limitless approach to tarot. So welcome and, and let's flesh out a little bit about the topic that we're going to be talking about today. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me here. I, I am just so excited to be here, and I'm so excited to talk about this topic. One thing I noticed, and I, you know, I think you run one of the best tarot groups on Facebook. Oh, thank you. I, I, I love your Tarot Readers Academy group, um, and we're in some other groups together that are also really good groups. And I noticed that I see an awful lot of tarot readers stating really sort of negative, limiting things about the cards, about themselves as readers, about what you can do with the cards, that kind of thing. And of course, I mentor students, as I know you do too. And I hear some of this from my own students. So I thought it would be so much fun if we can spend some time talking first about what are the limits of tarot? And then secondly, what are some of the limiting beliefs we have about tarot and tarot reading? And, and what are the real truths that are there? So that's what I want to do. <laughs> Fantastic. And it's so interesting, as you're saying, when you get larger groups or you get any community together that may be around a system or magic or a book. I mean, people will even argue about the way bread should be made, um, they argue about casting choices for movies. I mean, people are naturally going to come at things from different angles. But you're right, there's some interesting conversations that happen when you get to sit back and see how people interact with the tarot and each other. So let's talk about a few of them that you see quite often and, and ones that keep coming up that are really persisting in our mind as a culture in, in tarot. Sure, sure. Well, starting, I, I've divided them into the beliefs that beginners seem to have, mm -hmm. um, and then beliefs that we have about the cards, and then beliefs that we have about tarot reading. 
So let's start with beginners. And you know, I, I really want the tarot community at large to be super, super welcoming of beginners. I know that, you know, since, since tarot became an oracle, there has been this conversation, and, and it's a conversation in the tarot world, also in the magical world. Are these things meant to be esoteric or exoteric? Are they for everyone or just for the chosen few? And I really vote for esoteric. I think these tools benefit everyone. I think they're here for everyone. So I know not everyone shares that view. And I respect that, but you know, that, that's where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about the limiting beliefs of beginners, I think that's a place where we as elders in the community really need to step up and help beginners see how much of tarot really is available to them. So here's the first limiting belief. I can't give a reading until I have memorized all the card readings. Card meanings, excuse me. I can't give a reading until I have memorized all the card meanings. Now, okay, true story. I had been studying tarot for a year before I stopped carrying around my favorite tarot books. Now, this was before we had the internet or have like any book you want right on your cell phone. But if someone wanted an amateur reading from me, they would have to deal with me looking through books, looking at paper, but I could still give a great reading in that context. Not a professional quality reading, certainly, but mm -hmm. a great reading. And so I think the, the truth is that if you do it in a lighthearted and exploratory way, as soon as you get your cards, you can start reading for yourself and others. What do you think? I totally agree. I remember I, one of my first decks that I really went, wow, this has gone beyond um, the basics and it's really stoking the, the coals here was the spiral tarot. And I got the booklet with it, the, the actual yep. book. And I remember naughty, naughty reading it while I was at work and highlighting <laughs> the book. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that's absolutely, I agree with it being for everybody. And I totally think that you should, I mean, the best way to learn something is to practice because you're yes. going to learn. You're also going to have more memory around it, but it's going to give you context as well and teach you yes. that the tarot can mean different things in different contexts and different positions. And you, you can make them up certainly when you're like learning and when you're teaching mm -hmm. yourself, but it is such a powerful thing when you're doing it for somebody else. It really is. And you know what you said there that the way the cards actually come up, you can read a million books, but until you sit down with the cards and a person you don't know and see how the cards speak, you don't know what, you're capable of or what tarot is capable of and i think people put off doing that and honestly i mean yes professionally definitely wait i think there are a lot of people who jump into professional readings the first time they do a great tarot reading oh great i can do this professionally <laughs> <laughs> i think it takes more than that but just to have tarot in your life to have it as a tool for you and something you can use to read for other people I think that begins the day you get your tarot deck. So here's one that goes along with it. 
I'm afraid to do a reading because I'm afraid I'll get something wrong. And, you know, that's a real thing. You know, they say the cards never lie, but we readers can absolutely get it wrong. We are not infallible. But I will tell you that I have learned more from the times I got it wrong than from the times I got it right. And if you're doing it, as I said, in a lighthearted and exploratory way, where, you know, the person you're reading for, you're going to trust to understand that you are a student and this is an experiment. At that point, there should be no fear because you know what? If you don't get it, you're never going to get it right later. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We need to kind of be a little bit, well, that's with anything. We need to lose at sport. We need to screw up at work. We need to learn where our weaknesses are, you know, and what I find really funny, and I don't know if this is something that happened to you. I found when I started reading the cards that really tripped me up were the cards that would come up again and again and again. And it was like my deck was saying, we're going to force you to learn these cards, kiddo. So you may as well lean into it. Like I was like, really? Why? <laughs> but <laughs> nothing to, it was, yeah, it was absolutely the way to go. Yeah. My, uh, my first time reading professionally, I had been studying for eight years and had done, you know, so many readings for so many people. But my first time reading professionally was at a psychic fair. And I walked into that fair praying that no court cards would come up. <laughs> and now you've written a book about court cards, yes? <laughs> so you know, <laughs> you know. And of course, first reading, the final outcome card was like the page of wands, you know? <laughs> but by getting in there and just doing it, and this is what I mean when I say the cards speak for themselves. If you're there and the card's on the table, and you're giving the reading, you're going to know what to say. Mm -hmm. If you just let the card speak, you'll know. That's an interesting thing around fear with the tarot in regards to getting it wrong. I think a lot of it comes to managing our expectations and also managing the expectations of the person that you're reading, especially when you're your beginning and your learning. And even when you're a professional, um, I mean, I, many of us have... On our website, these are our code of conduct and our ethics. These are the things I will not read about. I will not read about health outcomes. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to diagnose you about for anything. I'm not going to give you legal advice. I'm not a lawyer. So we have things like that. But getting it wrong in regards to I might get the card meaning wrong or the outcome may be wrong, I feel like it's just it could be a little bit of the ego getting out of the way, but it also could just be managing the expectation the person we're reading and say, mm -hmm. I'm a beginner, you know, this is so easy on me. And also just taking it off your, taking the, that off your shoulders too. And just be like, I'm learning. This is work experience, you know? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, when you talk about getting the card meanings wrong, the fact is a card can mean so many different things. And this is where practice is so interesting. So I'll tell you a, a baby tarot reader story from like long before I was professional. Um, this is back in my Grateful Dead days. <laughs> so, <laughs> so a tarot deck would always go into the dead show with me. That's how I learned to read tarot. Um, would always go into the show. And at this particular show, my friend was going on to the next show and I was not. 
So she's like, hey, can I pull a card for the next show? Fine. She pulls the Hierophant. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking, what could this be about? And I know how my friend drives. And I know my friend's predilections. And I think about the Hierophant. And I think about authority. And I say, on the way there, it's like a seven-hour drive. On the way there, watch out for cops. Very logical, given the circumstances. Well, that's not what happened. What happened is on the way there, she had an asthma attack and ended up in the hospital. Missed the entire show, but the Hierophant and authority, the Hierophant can be the doctor, can be the hospital. It, absolutely. So the, the card's not wrong, but you have to have that experience. That's what that card was saying. And, you know, 30 years later, I still remember that. Absolutely. And yeah, and then, isn't it interesting? Then it's like, okay, because the, the Hierophant for me is very much about institutions and Western medicine and hospitals are totally institutions, but so is the law. And so is law enforcement. So you're right. You didn't get up and was it not, the card wasn't wrong. It's just a context right. and all that changes. Yeah. Right. A lot if you're wrong, I've been wrong before. <laughs> so, Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So limiting beliefs about the cards themselves. And I see this all the time in, you know, tarot does have to have some limits in that the cards do express specific archetypes. You know, I would argue the high priestess should always be female. You know, that's, for me, a tarot limitation. And I know we, we each have our own box, you know, that, that we want to put the cards in. But I hear from students who are really trying hard to get the rules I hear things like, this is my favorite one, the major arcana cards will always represent things you can't change, mm. and the minor arcana cards will represent things you can. Or the major arcana cards will always be a spiritual message, and the minor arcana cards will always be something mundane. And I feel like, I mean, yes, you can read that way, but if you only have 78 cards to talk about the entirety of human experience, you know, sometimes the chariot is going to be my automobile. And oh, that's a lot of time the chariot is going to be your automobile. <laughs> and sometimes the page of cups is going to be a message from a loved one in spirit. Mm -hmm. You know, and so I don't like to put those, um, those limitations on the cards that way. And, you know, you see it come up to, I'm sorry, you were about to say something. No, that's okay. I was just going to say, this is the reason why, and it's a future blog post I'm going to do. One of the reasons why I do not do blind readings, as in, I prefer to go on context. I want to know what's going on in my client's life. I want them to give me questions that are thoughtful and that allow me to have context because otherwise I'm going to go dipping into that card and then have to rely on my intuition 100% to make sure I'm going the right way. Whereas if you could tell me it's about I'm having a problem in my love life, help me get closer to my partner, well, ring-a-ding-ding, -ding, now I know exactly what I'm looking for and I'll know whether it's like you're arguing in the car or if we're talking about the two, the two sphinxes coming together and really going down the right road. Like This is why context is, for me, so important because my psychic stuff gets like overloaded and I need for it to have a road to go down. 
And now, and I'm the exact opposite. Mm. Uh, I absolutely prefer, if I have a half hour, if I have an hour to spend with you, like if I'm doing, I've been the resident psychic of a bunch of different radio stations. And if I'm doing readings on the radio, the DJs want you to have the answer in less than two minutes, you mm -hmm. know? So the reading is literally less than two minutes. Then I want a specific question. But if I have time, I, I'm exactly the opposite because for me, the question limits. The question actually adds a limit. Now, but I think you're also absolutely right that it really is a psychic thing. And this is about understanding how a person's gifts work. So like going back to that Hierophant thing, I would think that now, now that I know how to tap in and I've, you know, I know how to do this and I'm not tripping on acid right now or haven't <laughs> passed 20 years, <laughs> you know, I'm in a very different space than I was then. Um, I think that I would look at that Hierophant and might see other cards around it that also look medical or, you know, that talk about breathing. There might be a lot of air cards there. So I really do trust myself to go in with the general reading. And I like that too, because a lot of times clients will call with a particular question, which they deserve to get answered. Um, I'm not going to deny them their question, but so often they're calling about one thing and it's but what's in the cards is like you really buried the lead on this mm. and oftentimes just the way my brain works and and my husband would would say this is true i can get very narrow in my scope so which obviously upsets him but that's okay <laughs> so um if i don't wider in my scope if I start with the question, I may intentionally narrow down too much and miss the thing that they don't know they need to talk about, but that they really do. Mm -hmm. um, but I think what we're looking at here, when we talk about limitations and tarot, it is so important for a person to know how their gifts work. And on one hand, we don't want to limit that because our gifts change. You know, you may say, well, I never get visuals. And then next week you start getting visuals and you have to be open to that. Um, but it's also true that you know what's most comfortable for you at your table. Mm -hmm. And I think for a beginning reader, they need to try everything and see what works best. I love and that. And then once you know what works best, I would argue that it's still good to venture outside your comfort zone once in a while. And for me, it's the Brussels sprouts story. When I was growing up, I absolutely hated Brussels sprouts. Nasty, right? Totally nasty. Now they are my favorite vegetable. Somewhere, I had to be brave enough to try it again. And so, you know, not necessarily in a reading you're getting paid for, but in a community thing where we exchange readings or, or whatever, to try something new, something that didn't work for you before and see if it works now. For me, it was mushrooms. My Brussels sprouts are mushrooms. I like mushrooms now. I used to not like them at all. But that's true. And it was interesting that we were talking about the limitations of tarot. And we have two professionals and two people who do readings, and you and, my, you and myself, you and I. And we do it different ways for different reasons. And for me, the question is like the thing. And then I 
build my spread for my client around it. And then I always look for the root cause because I agree it's not always what they're focused on. Mm. But for me, it's like, for me, it's like the entryway into their situation. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it allows me to dive into their, their pool as it were and be like, okay, well, what, what sharks are swimming around here today? Like, <laughs> and energetically, I can see a real reason for that because if that's the question that brought them in and that's their motivation, you know, motive, where, where attention goes, energy goes, motivation brings energy to it. So, you know, there's energetic reasons to, to consider doing it that way. Mm. Absolutely. So, okay, here's one. And, well, we'll have some fun with this. <laughs> A limiting belief is the idea that some cards are negative and some cards are positive. And that's a hard one because, you know, we would all rather see the sun than the tower. (laughs) I mean, for sure. But I've seen the sun be a total narcissistic, just, you know, just horrible individual. And I've seen the tower talk about finally finding the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with and, and what that means about changing your life. And so, and and I know this is hard because a lot of tarot books and tarot teachers will talk about, you know, this is a good card. This is a bad card. Mm. Uh, You know, I started back in the 80s with Eden Gray and she talks a lot. I love her, you know, without her, I would not be here. But she talks about positive cards and negative cards. And I'm really in my own practice trying to get away from that. And I just find that so amazingly freeing. Mm. What do you think? I totally agree of having it to be of a more fluid experience. And even the cards that present quite a clear bias one way or the other. So we'll take, for example, the five of cups a card of grief and sorrow, sometimes depression, but often we're in a space where we're focusing not necessarily on something that's bringing us a lot of happiness. Um, And for me, it's always about, again, that context and about what we're doing in that moment. Um, Are we embracing that? Are we giving ourselves space for that? Are we uh, allowing forgiveness for ourselves? Are we giving ourselves any grace or are we shunning and shaming ourselves because of the way we're feeling and then I always look to the next one or the cards around it to also see and it's a little bit of a Lenormand kind of practice as well right to see what's around um, Mm -hmm. to see if there's going to be anything that's going to ease it or how can we move through it but what I found to be very interesting is that anytime a card that is harder has a lesson that's a little harder that's when I find my clients are being asked to really lean in. Like you just got to lean in because when things are going great, you're less likely to need a tarot reading in the first place. (laughs) But when you get like the three of swords and sometimes the three of swords for me is like minor surgery, like teeth, uh, you know, like teeth being pulled. Um, Ten of swords can be acupuncture, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so sometimes it's not as doom and gloom as you think. Um, So I just, it's like, lean in when those times are happening because it's like you will get through and pass it but inherently energy is not good or bad like that craft the craft 
saying, right? The witch is not good or bad. It's the, the magic is not good or bad. Witchcraft is not good or bad. It's the energy and the intent of the person using it. The same thing with the tarot. And the same thing with our words. And that's why, like, I freaking love your book because it's like we do have, we sit at a, at a seat of power when we're giving a reading oh, to someone and we have a responsibility to use our words thoughtfully and kindly and build them up and be compassionate. Certainly don't lie to people and tell them what's not there, but we hold power in where we're sitting. And I, t- I for one, take that very seriously. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but I don't think they're bad <laughs> bad or good inherently either because too much of a good thing's bad. Shit, you get you get on a three cups bender with your girlfriends all weekend and tell me how you're feeling at the end of it. You're not gonna Oh my gosh. Oh my you're gosh. not gonna like that three cups by then you're yes. like, oh no. <laughs> I just oh. can't tell my rent money. <laughs> you never did that, did you? Well, party too much? Yeah. Oh no, no. I'm waiting. <laughs> I, I, I can name the amount of times I've been hungover drunk on my one hand in my life. Really? I was okay. very good. <laughs> I don't like it. It doesn't agree with me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have that sense about you. This does not surprise me at all. Yeah, I'm hyper. I don't need, I've never needed anything to have a good time. I'm usually like just bouncing around hyperactive with the energy in the room. I'm an extrovert. I'm like, I'm here. <laughs> it was like, I have what she's having. I'm like, I'm high on life. And I'm actually not even joking. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, but I- and, you know, I have to say, coming from a different background, where I was, I was not the worst partier I know, but I was there. You know, I, I was definitely in that scene for a while. and. It was great in that it did taught, it taught me how to find that place, you know, how to find that place of connection, how to find that place of joy, how to find that place of ecstasy, not the drug ecstasy that was never, <laughs> but <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think that there are much better ways to learn that, you know, I, I think the, the chemicals are, are not necessarily good but I have learned that all those places I could use chemicals to take me I can take myself and further so good for you for learning that without putting your body through so much trauma oh thank you I think it was very much an environmental thing with the friends that I had and Mm -hmm. yeah I think I think that was probably my biggest saving grace there yeah, sure, yeah. sure. So, limitations, let's see. So this is one. Um, we know that cards can mean many different things depending on context. What I have discovered, though, is that in a reading, one card can mean more than one thing at the same time in the same reading. Mm-hmm. And I think for years, I limited myself in my readings thinking that, okay, if this card, say, okay, Page of Cups, if the Page of Cups is talking about my daughter, then it can't also be my kitty cat or a message of love from my grandmother or an admonition to speak my heart. And that's a very limiting belief. And it's, it's only been in like the past probably six, seven years 
that I figured out that you can kind of go back to those cards and look at all of their meanings and very often more than one, maybe substantially more than one, will be true at the same time. So there's that. I totally agree. And there's two things I would like to, to comment further on that. The first one is that when I find I'm doing video recorded readings, because it is a channel and because there's no back and forth, it's pre, it's recorded and then sent over. Man, do I ever get late? It's like, I'll be like, it's this. And then it's also asking you to do that. And then it's also asking you to do this. But the main core message that speaks back to your question is this. And right. then the second thing, um, but I find it's easier when I'm not having the exchange, energy exchange back and forth or whether I, when I don't have necessarily have someone in front of me, but I also talk a lot. But, and the second thing is I know Kellyanne Maddox um, does really deep dive readings on just one card. Mm-hmm. I mean, how amazing is that? I'm, mm-hmm. I never really tried that in regards to doing a client reading just on one card, but she does. She does these deep mm-hmm. dives into one card and what an amazing practice to really go how much information how many facets of this entity this archetype this energy can i get to to know by just really going balls to the wall with just one card that that's some fearless tarot reading right there i think absolutely absolutely and and then there's the opposite of that where I think very often, depending on time limitations, I like large spread. Mm-hmm. I like to look at a lot of cards because I like a lot of information, although I absolutely agree with you that that practice of getting so much from one card is, is just brilliant and profound. Um, I like a lot of cards. And I meet a lot of people who believe that each card in a large spread has to be read with the same importance. And I really don't see that for me. I will, if I'm looking at my favorite 11 card spread, there may be a card there that's just sort of an adjective, you know, like how you should do it. Whereas another card may, may take a, a much more center stage in the story. Mm-hmm. And so allowing your cards, rather than limiting to them to, they're all equally important in this story, allowing your cards to have different weights as I absolutely agree. And the, I mean, something like the system, like the Lenormand where everything is read with the same weight is totally, that's why it's designed. But tarot is for sure not, not built that way. And for me, mine is like timing is often one where it's like, well, that's just a timing card. So it means this, I don't need to go into anything more. It just means that. Or like an ally card, it just might be like, well, you know, it's going to be someone from your workplace who's a woman and on your same level but i don't need to go into that because that's just we need to shift back to the stuff that where all the the meat basically is for the reading right absolutely absolutely so here's one and i i hadn't run into this belief until i i'd probably been a reader for about 15 years uh but maybe you've heard of this the idea of when you get a deck you go through and those cards are going to meet. So it's like activating a card, which is fine, but activating the card, not just for this reading you're doing, but for the rest of your life. And 
to me, I, I found that like really, I mean, everyone can read it their own way and everyone has to find their own way, but that really weirded me out. What do you think about that? I'm a commitment phobe, so that is way too much for me. <laughs> you want me to think this is this forever on this deck? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I've, I've definitely heard like going through and like looking at the cards and getting an idea and maybe a symbols jump out and do I am I drawn to this card in a good or a bad way or am I triggered in some some way but that's intense that almost sounds like if you were working with that deck specifically for ritual that would be the only thing I can really think of why you would activate it in such a way where it's like this is going to be the key for prosperity or this is going to be the key for you know romance in a very specific sense I don't know why you would activate it in such a way unless it was a ritualistic intent this was, and, and this was a, a fairly well-respected tarot teacher who really believed that you have to make an agreement with spirit that this is what this card is going to mean, and that's all it can ever mean. And that was just like so opposite from the way I work and the way I teach, not that that's bad, but it just seems very limiting. You know, maybe that teacher then has very um, sh- sharp, punchy readings because because by but kind of like giving the definition it's like boom 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 you know like there's no there's no other way around it like <laughs> the only time I ever say that is with timing again we, we've gone back to timing is I say in every deck don't confuse yourself unless the deck has got specific seasonal theme like the wheel of the year tarot does um and some decks also have like uh, the everyday witch tarot some of them have thematically they've got a few things in there but with timing I pick up and I put my timing system on every other deck but it's timing it's not what the card means from any other aspect it's just the timing so you know you know I am super honest with my clients that timing is my very worst thing (laughs) it just is and I mean maybe that's limiting you know maybe one day I'll be the queen of being able to predict when things are going to happen. Um, And it's funny, I will often get the month right, but the year wrong. Oh, it'll (laughs) happen in October. And it does three years later. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, at least it happened. (laughs) But there's the other thing too. It's like the limiting belief around, well, if it doesn't happen in the specific time that my tarot reader or my tarot reading says it's going to, then it's never going to happen. Well, that's not true either. Right. Because that happens all the time. I get feedback from clients because I, I have predictive tarot, no problem. That's as far as I'm concerned, part of the gig. And so I get emails all the time. Yeah, it did happen, but it happened like three weeks later or whatever. I'm like, cool. So, you know, we weren't far off the mark in regards to spirit manifesting in the real world, were we? Like it wasn't too bad. (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so here's an interesting one. When we talk about limiting beliefs around tarot reading, now we already talked about one that you brought up, which is about you must have a question or a topic of concern to do a reading. Clearly, there's lots of different ways people have to figure out. You know, I, I think every reader needs to figure out what is working best for them right now. Uh, but be open to doing things differently in a different situation or at a different time. Sessions to that aren't your 
really good. Like I, I like to get my students together for Skillshares and they're just, they can get their chops stronger. But in that setting, I'll do my weakest thing. You know, whatever, uh, if it's a deck I don't know very well or don't resonate with well, or maybe I'm just gonna do psychometry. I'm not even gonna work with the cards, I'm gonna do psychometry. But to do something that you know you're bad at and uh, see where that takes you. You know, often you, you find that the idea that you were bad at it was itself the limitation. Right. <laughs> and, and I love what you said about the practice changing. We change as people. Not yes. only are we going to change the way that we see the tarot, life experiences are going to change the way you definitely see some of the cards and definitely oh the way that you move through those cards and, you know, our ethnic backgrounds, our environments, our religious upbringing, if we had any, all of those things are different. So, and they're going to move and change throughout our practice as we change. And I love that, you know, even if it could be like once a year, and this is why I love conferences and the times that we all get to, to do these things, or even if you don't get to do a conference, go to a local meetup group, you know, and yes. challenge yourselves to play a game or to try something new without the uh, kipper cards or bring your pendulums to, to use that with the deck or, you know, start reading reverse, reversals. If you don't read reversals, I don't read reversals, but maybe one day, who knows? <laughs> Do you? So that's a great question, though. Okay, because my theory is whether or not you read reversals, you read dignity. You know, what we were talking about earlier. Is the sun a really happy card in this reading, or is it talking about some narcissistic jerk? And you'll do that anyway, with or without a reversal. You'll do that through your intuition, through the cards that are around, uh, through how, the, how it speaks to you in that moment, right? Yes. And for me, that's where I feel the difference between maybe if I was doing more free form readings mm -hmm. versus the fact that I build specific um, spreads for my clients. And again, that might change in the future, but I really like doing that um, because that's going to help me where the position where they're holding the house, basically that the card is mm -hmm. being held in will tell me a lot. And then again, the cards around it and the context for sure. Yeah. Like if it's an oppressive card, it's like, I don't understand why I'm not meeting the love of my life and they have the sun and the what's blocking you. It's like, well, you're not getting out. You know, you're expecting them, you're not in shining armor to come run into your doorway, but you're not actually taking any action to go out, you know, and see them. Or if someone's saying, I'm, I'm always burnt out. It's like, yeah, in the, if you're being blocked by the sun, you're doing too much. Like, you know, <laughs> you need to stop doing so much. So I don't need the, I don't use the reversals, but if I was doing a, Freeform with no spread, no position, no housing, no nothing. No, um, then maybe that would help. But again, I I do freeform as well, and I don't. Yeah, it's reversals. So it's always yeah the dignity. Yeah, it's yeah. I find reversals to be a very funny little thing in our in our world. Hmm. In what way? Um, because some people are told like right off the bat to learn both the, the upright mm -hmm. and the reverse and you have to do both. And again, this is that limiting thing, right? And then other people get confused by them. And then it's, you know, I, I don't know. I feel as though the tarot, the tarot for weight. And if you read like weights, crusty old book, it was designed with a very specific intent behind it. You know, like it doesn't, I, I don't know. 
I just think we're we looking for more complexity in an already complex system. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe not, but that's that's just my my thought. I think honestly, for me, it is sheer laziness that I use reversals because mm. it is just so much easier than and and you know you scan the cards anyway and you see which cards pull at you. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm doing the dignity thing intuitively anyway, but so often that reversal will just be so poignant and so easy to go to, you know? So I think for me, it is just laziness that, that causes me to use them. Um, but, you know, I learned something from Rachel Pollack and I've been doing this with some of my more switched on clients that I really like. Rachel Pollack said that writing a reversed card or reversing an upright card can be a magical act. Mm. And I absolutely love that. So for instance, uh, just the other day, I was doing a reading for someone and her final outcome card was the Ace of Cups reversed. And the reading was very much about how she has not been able to access her emotions or access a sense of love for herself or love for others. So I'm just like, okay, we're doing magic here. And so we breathed together and we took that ace of cups and we turned it right side up and really worked on opening her heart and seeing her heart without limits. And, and that's just such a beautiful energy. And you can do that without the reversal. I mean, you know, you can do tarot magic at any time in the divination. But just that energy of turning the card just feels so good. I know. I kind of love the shit out of that. Like, I love that. <laughs> I'm going to convert you to reverse. Yeah, you might. You actually, that is such a powerful, that is such a powerful thing to do. To, to specifically in a space, and it depends again how you use the tarot. Not everyone has it in a magical ritual for anything. Right. But, I'm a witch, so I'm like, yeah, I'm really digging. I'm, I'm like, I'm already like, I'm off, you know? Wow. <laughs> I want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's so interesting to open up. And this is another, and I didn't put it anywhere on the worksheet, but it's a great conversation to open up to the idea of magic in divination. You know, like I've always worked with tarot as a set of magical tools. So I'll use it in divination, but then also in ritual. But over the past few years, I've been recognizing that, well, you can do divination and ritual, and you can do ritual and divination over in, in all kinds of ways. And I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with that. Yeah. And again, being open to it changing one way or another, depending yes. on, on the way that you, and that's the thing, like life is, why limit yourself in any way, shape, or form? You know? <laughs> so why limit the tarot, which is this—they literally are those seventy-eight doorways. You know, right. why lock? Why lock some of the doors, man? Why do it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we've got a—you have this amazing download uh, for people to go and check out. So I'm going because we haven't. This is a conversation that we could have for four days. Um, <laughs> But uh, Christiana has put this amazing downloadable for us, for, for anyone listening and watching to go and uh, get for themselves. I will p place the link 
in the podcast description and also in the description in YouTube as well. And it's just full of really interesting things for if you've heard any of these or just to sit with how you feel and then, then like ask, like, how do I feel about this? Right. Like make your own mind up and then be okay with it changing later on. Absolutely. So is there anything you want to leave us with any final thoughts before we get onto your books and how we can work with you in the future? Ah, well, one final thought, which is quickly about imagination. One way that we limit ourselves in psychic work comes from the fact that when we were children, we all had psychic experiences. And typically we told the adults around us and they said, oh dear, it's just your imagination. So then as adults, we come to psychic work and we're like, no, I do not want this to be my imagination. But we limit ourselves there too, because the third eye, the brow chakra, which is our eyesight, which is why tarot is so awesome, because we do it with our eyes. It's our eyesight, it's our psychic ability, and it's our imagination. So if you shut down your imagination, you are immediately shutting down your intuition. Bring your imagination to the tarot table. That. 100% agree. The more active the imagination, the more fun it is anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so true. <laughs> so true. And I, I don't know, I would love to take a poll. Um, and I'd love for people who are listening to this or watching this to let us know in the comments or to let us know on the Tarot's Academy Facebook group. Did you get told when you were a child that you had an active imagination or an overactive imagination? Because mm-hmm. I sure as heck did. Oh, me too. Me too. And like, and my parents are really good. They didn't shut me down. I'd had teachers who shut me down at school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My, my parents were like, that's great. You know, like be <laughs> as active and creative as you want. But uh, yeah, but you did as well. Hey. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I bet you would be high. I bet there'd be a higher number of us. Yeah. Who had that. Mm. So let us know. I'd love, love some things. Yeah, Absolutely. So tell us about your book. So first about Fortune Stella, which is now in its second edition. Yes, it is. Fortune Stella, what every professional tarot reader needs to know in eight easy lessons. If you are already professional, there's some things here that will help you. If you're considering going professional, there are some things here that will either encourage you or scare you off, depending on, on whether you really want that to be your path or not. Uh, but I think you will really enjoy it. The premise around the book is that very often as professionals, we use tarot to guide our clients, but we forget to use tarot in the guidance of our own business. So the book lays out very specific exercises to work, excuse me, to work with the cards to help you figure out where you really want to be in your tarot business because the great thing about a tarot business is it is so flexible. I don't think there are any two professional tarot practices that look the same. You can really do it the way it works for you. You just have to figure out what way that is. And this book is here to help you. Yeah. You need to basically people, you need to get this book. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> it's on Amazon in every country available for a Kindle download as well as in paperback. Amazing. And so tell us about your new book. So, Tarot Tour Guide. Now, Tarot Tour Guide was really the first book I wanted to write. I started writing it like years ago. And then Fortune Stellar was born in the meanwhile. Uh, (laughs) uh, Tarot Tour Guide second edition is coming out. 
And I'm really happy with the second edition. My whole premise with Tarot Tour Guide is I wanted to talk about how tarot really works in my life and how it can work in your life. Mm. We do tarot magic. We have descriptions of the cards that are good for beginners as well as more advanced readers. We go over many different reading styles, but it's all through the context of the four elements. For me, the four elements are really the cornerstone of my spirituality and my cornerstone of how I come to tarot. And so that's really the energy of the book is how do we work with the four elements with these cards and what does that mean? So again, lots of exercises, lots of different spreads to try. Great for beginners, but also for advanced readers. And that will be out. I, Stephen Bright is my cover designer. He designed this cover. And is I like, love, Don't we love Stephen. Stephen. Right, right. Um, and I, he just sent me the finished cover today. It's in formatting right now. So it will be available through Amazon within the next few weeks and ultimately will be available at every book outlet. Amazing. Well, you are a rock star, my friend. Thank and, you so much. <laughs> and um, we've got lots of links for, I'll put the links to where they, people can get your books um, and where they can work with you. And do you do one-on-one work? I do a lot. Clearing my throat a lot. I had a busy day slaving over the hot cards today. <laughs> um, yes, I work a lot. I do private readings. I do that in my office here in Palm City, Florida, but also by phone, Skype, FaceTime, Messenger, Smoke Signal, whatever. Yo, you are on Owl. I'm on Pigeon. I will send you anything. I love it. <laughs> and I also do mentoring. I do mentoring for tarot business, but also personal mentoring. If you are not where you want to be in life, personally, professionally, emotionally, whatever, I can work with you and I have a program that is affordable and will get you to the next level, whether that's to the next level of confidence in your own job, in tarot profession, or simply in embracing your own joy. Awesome. And again, I'll put all those links in the description. So I just wanted to say this has been awesome. I feel like I was wanting to speak so much because this is just such a great topic talking about limitations that we're putting in ourselves and on the tarot and on our practice and the downloadable is amazing so make sure you go and get it everybody i want to thank you so much christiana i can't wait to see you next year at northwest yes. tarot symposium. northwest tarot symposium you're speaking is that right i am and Jenna Matlin and the DeForests and I are doing the Monday Professional Development Extension Day. So come for the conference, stay for Monday. It's going to be great. It's also just a really fun weekend. <laughs> Which yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. So thank you so much. And I hope everyone who's watching and listening um, has enjoyed the experience. And again, thank you so much for joining us. Head to www.tarotreadersacademy.com to check out the training and offer with a faculty of tarot experts. That's www.tarotreadersacademy.com. You can also find out how to work with Ethany by heading to www.ethany.com. Thank you for joining us.